0: Hello everyone and welcome to New Retina Radio and this episode is going to be focusing on innovations in imaging, how we use our imaging in the retina clinic. Uh, As an aside, this Podcast is sponsored by Zeiss, and appreciate their sponsorship of this. I'm joined with two amazing guests today, uh, two young uh, retina specialists that really, uh, really have a great deal of experience. First, we have from the Cole Eye Institute, Dr. Alexander Rachiskaya. Alexandra, thanks for joining us.
1: Great to be here, as always.
0: Fantastic. And we have from the University of Iowa, uh, Dr. Jonathan Russell. Uh, Jonathan holds a special place in my heart because his dad, Steve Russell, who's a retina specialist at the University of Iowa, helped to train me. So Jonathan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. So let's start off with a new wet AMD patient, Alexandra. Um, They come into the office and and you've not seen them before. How are you going to evaluate that patient?
1: So I think I, I usually actually preview my new patients and I know what the patient is coming in for. And in terms of the way my clinic flows and I try to be as efficient as possible, a lot of times for a new patient, I will order imaging uh, that I think will be helpful to me. And usually, I don't get uh, mystery new patients. Uh, usually, there's some kind of notes about what the patient is coming for. And if it's AMD or neovascular AMD, I will get on that patient OCT even before, uh, before they see me. Um, depending on what the situation is, I might add additional images such as fundus photography, OCTA, or fluorescein angiography. Routinely, I don't do more invasive testing like fluorescein angiography before I see the patient because a lot of patients don't need it. Um, but uh, they they for sure will get an OCT, and then I will evaluate them. And if I see anything else that's questionable, I might add uh, these additional imaging modalities.
0: You know, you mentioned a real pearl I think for efficiency, and that is getting that OCT when they hit the door. You know, there's nothing that takes away from efficiency than having to go in and out of a room a couple times with a patient. Sometimes they're older, it can be really tough on them to ambulate. And so I think that's a great suggestion that ordering the OCT up front after an appropriate review of their records. John, moving on to you, you have a new diabetic patient. Uh, We've heard how Alexandra will evaluate the wet AMD patient or the AMD patient. How do you differ your workup for a diabetic patient versus an AMD patient?
2: Yeah, good question. I have a lot of similar workflows to her. I do like to review any... Uh, notes or imaging or laboratory tests that might have been sent to me with the patient ahead of time. But I usually get a fundus photo actually on every new patient. I like to get a Claris uh, wide field fundus photo, especially in a diabetic. I think it's a nice way to assess the stage of diabetic retinopathy that they're at. And then an OCT kind of as a baseline um, to look for diabetic macular edema and other complications of diabetic retinopathy. Um, I rarely get a fluorescein nowadays for diabetic retinopathy, honestly. I kind of trained that way at baskin Palmer, getting lots of <clears throat> fluorescein angiograms. But um, with Dr. Rosenfeld in my time there, I started using swept source OCTA actually to, to look at diabetics. And we, we saw a lot of advantages to that in terms of identifying neovascularization. I don't need it on every single diabetic. Sometimes it's pretty obvious that they have proliferative disease or they don't have proliferative disease when I'm a little bit on the fence about whether they might have
0: ERMAS or neovascularization,
2: I'll go ahead and get that imaging
0: modality as well. Yeah, I think that ultra-wide field for documentation and to just have a, have a chance to sit and look at the images and study, you know, what's going on with that patient is just so insightful. Alexandra, do you use ultra-wide field imaging for your diabetic patients? And, and how does it add to your clinical care?
1: I agree. I love ultra-wide field imaging for diabetics and um, fundus photos are very helpful because a lot of times this especially in in post-covid world that we're living in uh, at least we're all still masking the patients are masking you know sometimes it's hard to get a a very good exam and so the fundus photo is uh, extremely helpful and you might miss things you know if they have some ischemic vessels in the periphery uh, it really uh, visible on the wide field uh, imaging, and then might be hard to appreciate sometimes on the exam. You know, it's interesting, we brought up um, fluorescein angiography for diabetics. I, it's, I think it's such a fascinating topic, and we probably can spend all 30 minutes talking about it. Um, I do like fluorescein angiography. Um, and uh, with the new DRCR, uh, AA protocol looking at this predominantly peripheral lesions. I'm now wondering if I should be getting more FAs even in patients who are not necessarily proliferative uh, diabetic retinopathy patients. Uh, to uh, John's point about um, o- OCTA, I actually modified my protocols on diabetics in terms of OCTA and uh, I get 12 by 12 scans so I can catch the nerve and I look for neovascularization on the nerve and I can catch by the arcades if there is some areas of traction and neovascularization. And um, it's funny, I'm actually giving a talk to my technicians uh, in a couple of weeks because they're all wondering why I want it that way. So I'm going to show it to them and educate them as well.
0: So it sounds like both of you have swept source OCT imaging um, and that's a real benefit. I think that's a game changer. Jonathan, do you think that's going to be the future of OCT technology? I think so, for sure. I
2: mean, the ability to capture the entire macula in one scan and even beyond now that we're getting into 15 by 15 millimeter scans, you can pretty much capture the entire posterior pole in a single um, you know, sit down session you can get just so much information. You get the OCT, you get vascular perfusion, you can identify, you know, CNVs in the context of the appropriate disorders, neovascularization, areas of vitro retinal traction. Um, it really gives you just a ton of information.
0: Yeah, the ability to see areas of non-perfusion when we had swept source was just so impressive. Um, you know, one way we found swept source to be very helpful, and we'll talk about surgical imaging in a bit, was it will actually image amazingly well through a gas bubble. And so we would image our post-op day one macular hole patients and find so many times that on day one, I would say 95% of patients, their hole was closed. And then we could say, you don't have to position anymore. But if we saw that it was open still, just even a little bit, we'd say, hey, keep your head down for another couple of days. And uh, and it really changed the way we kind of manage those patients. Alexandra, we talked a little bit about ultra-wide field imaging for diabetics. How does it help you with the preoperative patient, uh, like the patient who comes in with a retinal detachment?
1: I think it's, it's very helpful uh, on multiple levels, um, patient education. You know, we're so lucky in the field of retina to have a picture and I routinely get a picture even from you know, any um, search engine and I show, okay, this is normal and this is yours. And I say, you don't need to go to medical school to tell me one picture is not like the other, you know, it's like Sesame Street, right? And, um, and the patients are like, wow. And then you show them the break and you show them the detachment and you explain uh, macula involving or macula sparing and it's all there. So I think it's, it's very nice for documentation. It's nice also um, as a um, teaching tool for uh, trainees, uh, talking about finding tears and treating tears and surgical planning. So I like it for that. And it's always nice when, uh, you know, they attach attached at the end, you show them the picture and it's just such a, um, uh, such a nice comparison. Um, I think, you know, there's um, a lot of times we actually get uh, referrals from optometrists who um, send a patient and they have uh wide field imaging and they catch things such as tears and uh, localized detachment that sometimes they might not be able to necessarily see. Um, and uh, so that's really beneficial as well for patients.
0: Jonathan, a very common scenario in the retina clinic is the patient who comes in with a symptomatic vitreous detachment and they're referred in, you know for ruling out a retinal tear or whatnot. How do you image those patients? Do you image those patients?
2: Uh, sometimes I do. If they're a new patient, like I said, I generally do get a wide field, ultra wide field image uh, on a patient like that. If they come in as a new patient for AMD, say, then I might just get, you know, a posterior pole image. Um, but nothing trumps a scleral depressed exam for me. So it's nice to have an ultra wide field image in case I find something, but I never hang my hat on that and say, there's no peripheral pathology. I always, you know, check and double check. Um If it is recapitulated on the image, it's like Dr. Uh, Rachiskaya said, it's really nice to be able to show the patient. And a lot of patients, you know, come to University of Iowa and Cole and places like that, and they don't even know what they have. They might have, you know, advanced wet AMD, they might have a retinal detachment, and nobody's really sat down and explained to them, what is the retina? what is your condition? And so having a picture and being able to explain to them that the retina is the film of the eye and it takes the pictures and these are the blood vessels and this is where your retina is coming off the wall of the eye is just super valuable for patients, I think.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I also think there's a real value from a medical legal standpoint. You know, we didn't mention this, but the difference between a macula on a macula off detachment can be very well elucidated by an OCT. And then the uh, and then the ultra wide field image, even in a patient with flashes and floaters can be really good to look at 90 percent of the retina and then focus, like you said, John, on the on the peripheral depressed examination. You're not worried about, you know, create if missing a nevus. And I can tell you before I've seen a patient that I've seen for a while that comes in and I look and I go, wait a second, there's a nevus there. And they go back like three years and they said, yeah, you saw it three years ago. And it's like, well, how did I miss that the last like two years? But I was focused on the macular. I was focused on something else. So Alexandra, you were going to add something?
1: I was just saying, you know, it's 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 really important, uh, the point that was brought up, you know, that imaging is so marvelous, but it's not meant to replace our clinical exam, you know, and uh, and especially periphery. I think we still... You know, as as wide-filled as we get, you you need that scleral depressed exam for sure.
2: For me, I completely agree. And one of the ways that I try to train the residents and fellows is I tell them not to look at the imaging ahead of time. Because it's too easy. If you've already looked at the OCT, you've already looked at the fundus photo, you already know what the patient has, you know, 85, 90% of the time. So I tell them, you cannot look at anything. You have to go in and examine the eye. And then you can look at the imaging.
0: And I think they, they learn a lot more from that. Um, it's so funny how, how the imaging has, uh, at least in my instance, made me a less skilled examiner because I look at OCTs all day and, uh, I, and an anecdote, I had a patient that came in over the weekend and, uh, you know, I had to put a, a contact lens on him and I thought I haven't done this in a decade, you know? And so it was just so different to, Look at a patient in that way, a little bit refreshing, but gave me a great deal of appreciation for how well we and our colleagues and our referring doctors are able to see and image the macula. You know, one of the amazing things that we have the ability to do with this technology is to actually do these change analyses. Uh, Jonathan, how do you utilize a change analysis on a a Zeiss, let's say, Cirrus OCT to uh, evaluate patients, follow patients and whatnot? Yeah,
2: it's huge for me, especially with the, uh, the monthly or every two-month injection patients. Um, I can look at the thickness map from one visit to the next or the change in the thickness from one visit to the next and immediately tell how the patient's responding to my therapy and decide whether they need another injection, what I'm going to do at their interval and so forth. So it's, it's really changed the game. I can't imagine using a fundus contact lens to guide my anti-VEGF
0: therapy it would be almost impossible. Alexander. what about you? How do you use these abilities to go back in time and look back to your advantage in taking care of patients?
1: So we are pretty lucky at Cole. We have retina workplace. So what it means is I have imaging, not just my last three images. I have images that go from the first time I saw the patient. And sometimes when you talk about adherence to therapy, it's uh, it's very nice to show to Mrs. Smith and say, hey, we started here. Look, you had this this mound, this uh, you know Everest in the Immaculate. Look what you look like now, and that's why we're doing the treatment. Because people forget, you know, things get better, and, and people forget. So that is really nice. The other way I utilize it, and um, hopefully in in the near future, it actually would translate into something that we can potentially treat. But your patients with geographic atrophy, it's so powerful to look at the extent of the geographic atrophy. And um, with the OCT machine that I use, I can look at ANFAS image. And without any additional autofluorescence, I can see how their geographic atrophy has grown. I can show it to them. I can do um, RP analysis where at lines that, uh, that area of geographic atrophy, show it to the you know, the family in the room, and they, they totally understand, you know, why mom is losing vision, uh, even though, uh, you know, they don't have the, the wet, the bad uh, macular degeneration. And once again, we can talk about, you know, the, the whole how the whole AMD discussion changes with potential treatments for GA. But that's another very nice view to um, look at them over time.
0: Yeah, it's amazing to think about being able to go back with that advanced RP analysis that we have on on the Cirrus uh, OCT and pick any point in time that a patient's gotten a macular scan and analyze their RP at that point and how it's changed over time. And I agree with you completely. The most heartbreaking thing is when a patient's been doing everything you want them to do as far as following their injection protocols, but yet they've gradually lost vision um, years into therapy. And they often have the question, and usually it's their children that say, why is mom still, you know, going blind? And when you can show them that and explain that, it is incredibly powerful and leads to a lot of really in-depth understanding from, uh, from that standpoint. Um, Jonathan, let's talk about how we engage our, our residents and fellows in training. How do you use, you mentioned that you don't let them look at some of the, uh, images and I was famous for its, uh, its conferences and training. Uh, how does it help assist you in training future ophthalmologists and retina specialists?
2: That's a great, great question. I get a lot of fundus photos on some of my complex retinal detachment patients, for example, you know, to watch the evolution of PDR or after a reoperation, etc. And um, at the end of every clinic, we sit down for an hour and we talk about the patients that day. Actually, I have the pleasure of having the Friday clinic. So my my Friday after, late Friday afternoon into Friday evening conferences, we go over that day as patients. And so having all these fundus images of these complex retinal detachments, pre-op, you know, post-op month one with PVR re OCT showing subtle changes in the fluid, et cetera, uh, totally changes the way we're able to talk about surgical planning, surgical decision-making. I also see a good amount of uveitis uh, for the retina service here, and we haven't touched on that yet, but imaging for uveitis is critical. Um, everything from fluorescein angiograms to Autofluorescence, OCTA, to distinguish CNVs from areas of choriditis. Uh, there's so much to learn and so much to teach residents and fellows. So we spend a good amount of time every
0: Friday afternoon going over all the imaging of all the patients. You, you hit on something we could spend an hour on a podcast on is just simply imaging of the uveitic patient. Uh, I learned so much from my colleague, Blake Eisenhagen, who's a uveitis specialist, and he'll show me things like you said on OCT that you'll go, wow, I can't believe that's a sign of inflammation or activity. Uh, and I'm firmly convinced that if you have a uveitis specialist in your practice, you use them because, uh, because I just, he's, he's so wise and has so much experience. Alexander, I want to come back to you on something you mentioned earlier, the retina workplace. So we don't have that. Tell us what is retina workplace.
1: So all the images from the uh, Zeiss machine gets fed in. And for me, I use it mostly with the OCTs. And so it's, it's a great way to have access to all OCTs on one screen and I can modify my views. I can usually uh, the way it's preset, it gives me last three OCTs for each eye and I can have direct comparison. But also on the bottom, I have ability to see any OCT they've had done uh, while being seen at coli either by me or my colleagues. And I can easily pull up any OCT from any time point. And it's really nice because I also on the bottom have, you can have different parameters but it's trending their central subfield thickness of volume. And so it's, it's easy because you're like, okay, I want them to see the worst they've been at. And I just look at the line I see the bump and that's the OCT I'm going to pull in. And I'm like, okay, look, two years ago, you look like this. And I don't have to look at their vision, see when they started treatment. You can also um, enter, for instance, uh, the dates that they were injected and that will show um that requires some uh manual entry so there's so many ways and then as we talked about the advanced rp analysis i can go and the way it's projected i can see whichever way i want to see like some people use you know they have all the um uh thickness numbers i don't like it because i think people get caught up on numbers and they're like oh my god my thickness is five microns more i'm really getting worse you know so I, i don't like that i like I like my um, colors, so I tell patients, you know, it's like a weather map, you know, you have red and white, and it means you really, you know, there's a storm going on, we want things to come down, look like it's more green now, and so it's just so easy, you know, it's so visual, and anybody can relate to that, and I use that to, uh, once again, educate the patients.
0: And and is that auto-populated as far as the central thickness? And are these images that you can scroll through or are these just oh, PDFs yeah. that you're looking at? No,
1: through? no, no. These are these are wonderful images that you can scroll through through the whole cube. So I routinely scroll because as we know, you can lose, you know, if you just look at your crosshairs or something, it's it's really hard to um, see the other areas. So I scroll and it's the nice thing, it's loads so fast that as I scroll, I talk to the patient as I scroll, it doesn't take me extra time because, you know, we're all very busy. We see a lot of patients and it's, you know, it's curious how we all do things differently. And as once you're done training, you don't see necessarily how your friends do it, how your colleagues do it, right? It's just the way you do it. So I personally, and I'm curious how you guys do it, but I don't uh, look at the images before I walk in. I walk in, I have my images. As I talk to the patient, I scroll And it's so intuitive. I don't need to sit there and like stare at it. You know, I immediately see my fluid. I see how they're doing relative to their last several visits. And as I talk, we look at it together. And it's just been uh, in terms of efficiency. It's really nice because I don't spend time outside looking at the same imaging and then looking um, in the room.
0: Boy, this sounds like something that we need in our practice. Uh, I just timed, you know, we, we remotely pull up our, our machine within our office and, and can kind of view it that way. And it takes a while to load. And then if you want to go back and look at any other scan, it takes a while to load. So this retina workplace could be a real game changer as far as time savings and also just getting that global perspective because sometimes we lose the forest for the trees. You know, we're just seeing these patients visit to visit and we lose the fact that they have the atrophy that's occurring or that, Hey, wait a second, two years ago, they were drier than they are now. We've just come to accept this level of fluid. Maybe we can do better. Um, I'd like to, in kind of closing here, ask you what you think your, um, your thoughts are on the future of imaging. Jonathan, for you first, where do you think we're going with imaging? What's the next thing we should be looking for?
2: I think we're going towards uh, wide field OCT and OCTA for every patient. That would be my hope is that we can basically do an OCT of the entire posterior pole for every patient and not add any additional work time or analysis time um, and get a lot more information rather than just doing sort of a six by six over the, over the fovea and the central macula. Um, I think artificial intelligence is really another frontier. And uh, I don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility just like we have thickness maps, which use you know, algorithms and so forth that in the not too distant future, we're gonna have algorithms saying you know CNV subretinal fluid worse. And it'll basically be interpreting the image for us and we can just validate that yes or no or
0: modify it accordingly. Alexandra, what about you? What do you think in the future?
1: Well, I like all these ideas and I think we... We could use more, uh, you know, people think uh, to your point, exactly AI, they think this like big picture, but we use AI all the time with our imaging and utilizing it more. you know, the degree of non-perfusion on the OCTA. we don't have that number, and if you just have it and and can look you know two years back, see if it's if it's worse. I think for me, in addition to everything that um, John mentioned, I still struggle with integration of all my imaging. So we just talked about the OCT and OCTA is probably a streamlined uh, for me as it gets. But for me, the way I, for instance, like to look at my OCTA, I have to go in, click in so I can scroll and then I bring my flow in and it does take extra time. And then my wide field um, FA is separate. So bringing it all together into electronic medical record and make it uh, efficient, fast is, and you know, there's so much data, right? Imagine how many, how much data all these images are. And uh, I think there is uh, some, um, and don't quote me on it necessarily, but I think we at COLI do as much or uh, very close to imaging as radiology does. Right. We image so much and uh, it's just so such a big part of ophthalmology and retina in particular. So how do we take all this data and make it even more user friendly?
0: I agree completely. You know, what I love is when we have the merger of something that is so valuable clinically, yet so easy to use and easy to understand. And my AI right now is actually my technicians. I'll come out and it's amazing how the techs will say, hey, I think this person's going to need a treatment. And they're right. Because they've looked at their OCT and they understand it, and patients understand it. You'll come in, the patient will say, "I can see my scan's worse, and I'm going to need a treatment." As far as future technologies, I'm really looking forward to home OCT um, I, and seeing how we're going to use that. You know, I, I'm just not sure how it's going to work into our workflow, but I'm certainly excited to be able to have the power of that imaging modality in our patients' uh, houses, where they can use it on a daily basis. And we can monitor them to see how their diseases progress and respond to therapies, when their eye may convert or reactivate. I think there's a lot of power that's going to be driven by that. And just having a preview of the way we look at some of those images, at least from the Zeiss, uh, potential Zeiss system, um, it's a lot like what you're describing with the, uh, with the retina imaging uh, platform. So um, super excited to get that into our patients' uh, hands and see how we're going to use it. I want to really thank Jonathan Russell from the University of Iowa. Great insights and Alexander Rachiskaya, Appreciate you being here as well from the Cole Eye Institute. And I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us on New Retina uh, Radio: Innovations in Imaging.